In this edition of Hoosology, we welcome Kyle Montgomery, the voice of 3x3 Basketball. We discuss how he became the voice of 3x3, the progress the sport has made overseas, and a lot more in this fun chat with Kyle. Get in touch with the show through Facebook and Twitter. Leave us a review on iTunes and email us at hoopsologypod at gmail.com. We are a member of the OTG Basketball Network. And now, Kyle Montgomery. He is the voice of 3x3 Basketball. We welcome Kyle Montgomery onto Hoopsology. How's it going, Kyle? Going good, going good. Excited about uh, 3x3, especially on the heels of the Olympics. So happy to be on, man. Really. Well, I appreciate you coming on to the show. And 3x3, I'll totally admit, it, it's something that hasn't been directly on my radar until the last few years. But I just find it extremely fascinating. It's something that is going to be on the rise. and something for like casual basketball fans. I think they should really pay attention to you because I think it's going to be more prevalent in just kind of the mainstream um, sports culture. But before we get to 3x3, Kyle, I just want to get a little bit of your background. We usually ask a lot of our guests that have come on to the show, what is your first basketball memory or favorite basketball memory? Hmm. My favorite basketball memory, okay, I was in college and I was playing pickup in the gym and this guy was bigger than me, he's like 6'5", put the ball between my legs, I faked like I shot it, he went for the fake, then I went to the rim, he met me at the rim and I, it was the most vicious dunk I've ever completed on somebody. The whole gym cleared out, That that's my moment of glory in, in, uh, in basketball, but... As you know, I've had a lot of a basketball experience, you know, covered the NBA and, you know, I played a little bit in high school. So, uh, but that's the one that sticks out to me. Now, as far as maybe what I've seen, Paul George against the Clippers on a fast break, he, uh, during the game, he went 360 through the legs. Oh, man. (laughs) So there's one of me and one of somebody else. There you go. So. Kyle, I want to get into the story of how you became the voice of 3x3 because every time I look at your Instagram, you're in like all different types of different countries. You must have the greatest passport ever just in terms of the, the, the different countries you've been to. So how did this journey begin for you becoming the voice of 3x3? Well, it, it came out of left field. I had no idea um, that it was going to be something that I would be you know, doing now six years later. Um, but I'm here in LA, I'm working for the Clippers and also the NFL at the time. And I kind of got a random email. Um, it's a guy named George Bacour, who uh, was telling me about this FIBA 3X3 thing they had going overseas and showed me a long list of cities that they would be visiting. And he, uh, he said that would I be interested, um, he knew my work from when I used to do the top 10 highlights on NBA.com. And he thought that I would be a good fit for what they were trying to create, you know, in Europe and in Asia with uh, FIBA 3X3. So uh, initially I was a little bit apprehensive about it. I was saying, ah, I don't know what this FIBA 3X3 is. But I did see, um, you know, an opportunity there for, you know, to travel and, you know, see other parts of the world. But also um, I've always been somebody in my career who's been willing to take risks um, and, this was one of the risks I was willing to, to take. So I uh, went out to a tournament in Switzerland, my first ever three-on-three tournament. We call it 3X3, but I know in the States we refer to it as three-on-three. But I went over there, and uh, I called my first action. And, uh, you know, the competition, I, I didn't think the talent at that time was, you know, top-notch. 
you know, considering that I had covered the NBA and, you know, college hoops at a high level in the States, but I knew the concept of the game, you know, has some real potential, 12 second shot clocks, 10 minute games, half court, a lot of space for, you know, really talented players to be able to create, you know, a lot of highlights and excitement for fans. So I said, you know, this is something that's worth me pursuing. I was aware at the time that they were, you know, pitching um, the sport to the Olympics. You know, we had no idea at the time if it was going to be uh, picked up or not, but we saw it obviously this year. So that's how I got into it. That was back in 2015 when I had no idea what FIBA 3X3 was. And now it's be now I've become, <laughs> yeah, the voice of 3X3. <laughs> so I was listening to your, your podcast that you host and your co-host mentioned, and it was like a while ago, that the the game in terms of popularity and, and talent is, is absolutely more progressed internationally compared to the States. It's kind of like a reverse. Um, can you kind of just, just go into that? Because it seems like 3X3 is very popular in kind of the international basketball community. Um, can you explain how that happened? Because, you know, we you know as arrogant americans we we kind yeah. of take credit for the game but it's you know with 3x3 just watching this the olympics and that in this watching your work as well it's it's caught on in the international community first do you know why that happened i i have a theory i think that um over here you know five on five basketball um you know it carries the ultimate goal which is a road to the nba kids not only here in the united states but globally dream of playing in the NBA. It's considered to be the highest level of professional basketball. So here in the States, you know, young players are fixated on that. That's the ultimate, that's the ultimate goal. I think in, in Europe, while kids do dream of making it to the NBA, Europe and Asia, I do think that they understand that it's, it becomes less realistic uh, for them. And that's not to say that we don't, you know, we've seen several great European players make it to the yeah. NBA road is a lot more difficult so um you know they they turn to three x three they this is something that even five on five players play as youngsters you know you play on the streets you get three dudes and you know three girls and boom you go against each other you know half court so um you know we, we've seen the game very popular in russia for a long time in romania uh for a long time in serbia obviously for a long time is uh, you know, they've picked up the game um, and, and they love it so much. They saw a market to where they could make it a professional league, um, primarily centered in Europe. And and sure enough, you know, we got some of the best three on three players in the world that reside in Europe. And now the United States is kind of trying to catch up. Yeah. They have the athletes and the talent. But as far as understanding the concept and the nuances of the game, that's something that, you know, we've seen historically European teams have a better grasp of that because, you know, they've been playing it uh, from a young age as opposed to United States kids that are playing looking for the five on five uh, glories. Forgive me for my ignorance, but, you know, we've recently seen in the States the rise of big three. And yeah. can you kind of go over this to comparisons with the big three, you know, you, at first being a veteran league, now incorporating, you know, other players that, you know, weren't a fit in the NBA and now they're able to, you know, fit into big three how does that league compare to 3x3 are there like similarities differences are you a fan of the big three not a fan what are your what's your opinion of that well you know i got respect for the big three um you know because i have a, a hell of a lot of respect for ice cube um you know i think that he's done a great job building that league but um the the games are 
are much different and they're built on different things. So 3X3, primarily we, we want to create new stars, um, you know, young stars. Um, the, the format of the game is different. This game is quick, it's more physically demanding. You got 12 second shot clocks, 10 minute games. I think that Cubes League has a design where if you reach a certain amount of points, that becomes halftime. I do think it's cool that they have the four point play. That's dope. Um, they all they are starting to incorporate some younger players. You know, in fact, Dushan Bullet, you know, long time considered the, the greatest three X three player um, of all time. He, you know, he's now played in, in that league. So we understand that they're expanding. But essentially, when Cube started the league. You know, the big draw was some of your favorite players that still got something left in the tank. If you, you know, if you want to see them play, you know, a lot of people say, man, I wish I could see Steve Francis hoop again. And here's a platform where you can see Steve Francis hoop again. So I think it's a good product. You know, ISO Joe is a beast. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, they got yep. some players that can still get it done. Uh, Corey McGetty's a good friend of mine. I know that he's been hooping in that league for several years. Um, so, uh, I think it's good, but we're talking about two totally, yeah. totally different games. And I think the reason why you saw, you know, 3x3 is an Olympic discipline this year for the first time ever is because of the challenges that the game, you know, really poses. It, from, you know, you look at it, athletes that have to be in top physical condition. I mean, you're going nonstop, essentially. Um, we call it a 10-minute sprint. So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I would venture to say that 3x3 – FIBA 3x3 is better than with all respect to the big three. Yeah. Gotcha. And I want to talk to you about the, the women's 3x3 because we had Alicia Gray um, right before she was going to Japan for the Olympics. This is fascinating just talking to her just about kind of how she got involved um, from, I guess, a women's aspect incorporating, you know, the WNBA. How is that infused into the game? And do you see maybe the, you know, the men's game, you know, going the same round, not necessarily with like NBA players, but, you know, international uh, professionals as well, um, you know, diversifying the talent pool, uh, which kind of your opinion of kind of, you know, the seeing the WNBA get involved in that, because I think it's pretty cool just to see him in a, just a, a different light with, with Gray in particular, who, you know, wasn't getting too much playing time with the Dallas Wings, but she's a primary member of the, of the U.S., you know, team, you know, in 3X3. So what was, what, was, what, what is that dynamic like? Well, I think the game really allows certain players to, to shine in ways that they may not be able to shine on, their particular, uh, you know, professional team because, uh, you know, and it's not 3x3 has structure as well, but it's not nearly as structured in terms of having a system like, you know, five on five. If you're a player within that system, then you got to behave within that designated role. 3x3 is more instinctive type basketball. It's, you know, it takes the reins off a little bit and it lets players just kind of go and trust your instincts, do what you know uh, is right as a, as a hooper. And I think Alicia Gray is best when she's kind of off the leash. You let her go. She's creative. She knows when to pass. Uh, she knows when to shoot. She can score. She's she's dope off the dribble. Um, so I really thought that you know playing three x three, we really it, it really shone a light on just how good she can be. I thought it was dope that you know we saw a, an Olympic team with all WNBA players. Yeah. Uh, Stephanie Dolson was huge on that team a, as well. Um, um, so, you know, you, she won a WNBA championship this year. Um, so I think it's great. Um, 
the 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 challenge is this, and a lot of people say, "Well, they pick an NBA players. Oh, if I had if they had Kyrie and uh, LeBron and this on that yeah. killer three on three team, but um, you have to play in FIBA sanctioned tournaments in order to accumulate the ranking points in order to be able to represent the United States, hmm. and for a while there haven't been that many options for American players to play in FIBA sanctioned tournaments in the States. They would have to uh, travel overseas. They would have to participate in quest or challengers, um, you know, against, you know, these European players that they've never seen or they never, they've never heard of in a new format. And I think that, you know, for NBA players in sp specifically, because we're talking about a different uh, financial risk, you talk about uh sure. so they're gonna they look at three on three and they say wow this that'd be cool to play but there's no way i could risk my health um to play that game it's it's I, it, you know if i was paying me 20 million a year then maybe there's the financial incentive for me uh to play it but you know it there's no draw for them outside of you know wanting to represent their country in the olympics and potentially win a different type of gold so you know, let's say LeBron James one day says, man, I, I got a, You know, I got a goal five on five. Yeah, I'd love to have a three on three goal just to, you know, submit my trophy cabinet. LeBron would have to play in some FIBA sanctioned events. We'd see LeBron James playing against Dayan Majstorovic or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Stefan Stojicic in FIBA 3x3. So um, I think that's why we don't see NBA players. We might start to see more. Um, what you would consider to be higher profile players, fringe players that could potentially play overseas, um, potentially, you know, we see G League players who sure. play a little bit of 3x3. Um, you know, Alfonso McKinney uh, for the Lakers, he's he played for Team USA uh, along with Mike Henry. These are guys who have, who have pro experience. McKinney's one of the more notable ones. Um, so we've seen some players that have been kind of fringe NBA guys dip their toe in 3x3. We've seen several WNBA stars. Skylar Diggins is one of them um, who have played 3x3. Um, but I think the, the financial risk is a little bit less for uh, the women. And um, they tend to be able to work it, work it out a little bit better from a scheduling standpoint too. What do you think it's going to take to just increase the the popularity of 3x3 in the States? Because I think there's a wide open market compared to, let's say, 10 years ago for watching basketball that is not college or the the NBA just through, you know, you know, Ball's Life is very popular with their videos. Just seeing TBT, um, that's just a popular tournament featuring just, you know, classic players from their college days. It seems like there's a there's a pool of talent that, you know, doesn't fit, you know, in the, you know, NBA or international box of five on five that, you know, there's an opening there for a league that can that can flourish. Has there been any talks to crew perhaps, you know, spinning off the international game into an actual like professional league for 3x3 or is this pretty much going to remain a kind of like a FIBA international game? Well, the FIBA international game is, you know, a professional league. These are these are considered pros. But in the in the in the States, um, I do see that they are starting to tap into that market. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Hezzy God or Chris Staples. These are some guys that yeah. is, you know, dunk champion. And Hezzy God's a new kind of social media sensation. He's always crossing people. He's a great scorer. But the, these guys are also starting to transition into um, three on three or three X three. And 
you know, you better believe it. At one point, they had dreams of potentially playing in the in the NBA. But now, you know, with Red Bull um, now, you know, getting involved and, and you see them with a 20 uh, city tour uh, this year and um, having the, the world uh, Red Bull regionals as well. Um, they're starting to dip their toe in. They're starting to open up opportunities in some other leagues in the United States. They're, I do uh, I do a tournament every year called the 3X3U National Championship. These are for players who have just exhausted their collegiate eligibility. So they were just seniors, but they represented all uh, the major Division One colleges. So you want to talk about some, some serious talent sure. uh, that we have in that tournament. It's a bigger pot. I think it's a $100,000 pot in that tournament. So that causes some athletes to move uh, more that way to have an opportunity to win, you know, more money, which is cash is king in the United States as opposed <laughs> yeah. to in Europe. Uh, maybe not as much, not on that scale. Um, I want to ask you, Kyle, about your Olympic experience. You know, it's probably unlike any other Olympics in history. What was just your experience in Japan like in terms of? not having any fans there just with all the, you know, safety protocols. Um, what was that experience? Like, I believe this is like the first time three X three was featured in the Olympics. What was that like? And what are you looking forward to in the future in terms of improvements in terms of kind of, you know, enhancing the game for, for the next Olympics coming around? Well, um, yeah, the, I didn't even actually get to travel to Tokyo. I did the, I did the Olympics, uh, remotely. Oh, wow. Actually, okay the the olympics from um, stanford connecticut uh at the nbc studios up there um so the experience for me um it was it was different because this is a game um that i've covered you know face to face you know you have to see the action up close you have to really feel it um so doing it remotely was an experience but um i enjoyed it it was fun uh you know i had a great partner in, in noah eagle um young pro he was outstanding yeah. um but for me it was one of those moments because this was something again that i mentioned that i, I felt like i was kind of taking a risk on and they and, and believe me they were taking a risk on me as well because i had never called play-by-play -play before doing 3x3 i had never done it i had simply done hosting reporting um etc so to take that chance and to see you know, 3X3 featured in the Olympics. Um, I knew that the product was going to be a good product, but I, I think that a larger audience, you know, basketball fans could appreciate what I appreciated back in 2015 when I first saw the game. So while every team isn't going to be dynamic and explosive and dunking on people and shooting threes, now people are starting to look at this game and they're saying, man, can you imagine so-and-so if they played three x3 oh imagine this team and so the conversation is there they like the format of the game they like the 12 second shot clock and i do think they like the talent too we we had you know the best teams in the world um competing out there that latvian team you know believe it or not they're going to beat a lot of, of, of nba collections that you put together playing 3x3 because they understand the game better so that Latvian team that wins gold, that, that Russian team that takes silver, that Serbian team that took bronze, you know, make no mistake about it. You don't judge a book by its cover. You know, if, just because you're not getting the dunks and all the crossovers, these, these guys are cerebral players, smart basketball, you know, players, high IQs. Um, they can shoot, 
you know, I thought that we saw, you know, that on display and obviously on the women's side as well. Uh, I thought it was outstanding to see Team USA, you know, run through the competition, uh, you know, with the WNBA players. They picked up the game and they put in a lot of extra work, you know, off the court to, you know, make that transition from five on five to understanding, you know, what makes you successful in 3x3. So, you know, I thought they really, you know, exemplified what 3x3 is about. They kind of showed us what that next level looks like, you know, when you can combine that athleticism and that scoring. Uh, also with that that 3x3 acumen too. So, you know, Carol Lawson had them ready. Yeah. Um, so Russia looked good too in taking the silver, and I thought China was a strong team. Japan looked great. There's, there's a lot of teams out there that I thought really represented the game game well. I think people are looking forward to the next Olympics and uh, in Paris coming up in three years, mm-hmm. and they want to see the next. Okay, now we we saw the the appetizer. That was just a little taste. Now we get to see the, what the next course is in terms of you know what 3x3 is going to bring. I think we're going to see even better competition, even better players, uh, because of the, you know we'll be riding the fuel of of the interest that's you know now on the heels of this previous Olympics. I got a nerdy um, broadcasting question for you, Kyle. Um, and you know, with all the international players and a lot of those names are tough to pronounce. What was your preparation, especially remotely? You know, going into you know broadcasting your first Olympics. Can you just take me through kind of a maybe day by day of your prep in terms of you know announcing the names and just kind of any logistical um, things you had to prepare before your your broadcast um, for the Olympic Games? Yeah, well, a lot of meetings. Uh, that we that we did, you know, approaching um, the Olympics because you know this is this was the introduction of three x three to the world, so you know a pretty big deal. In terms of the names, I was pretty familiar with most of the teams' names because, you know, again, I've been covering a lot of these players in Europe and in Asia for at least the past five five years. So I was very familiar with the Russian team and the Latvian team, the Serbian team, the Polish team, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But the challenge for me was. Um, really, you know, kind of digging beyond that surface layer of who they are as a player. I could tell you, you know, what Carlos Lasmanis' greatest strength is. You know, uh, I can tell you about a, a highlight or a game winner that he hit two years ago. But I, but I couldn't tell you about his relationship with his father, who was an Olympian as well. So I had to reach out and talk to people. And, and, and I, I learned that, you know, that his dad was an Olympic rower. And that the only thing that Carlos wanted to do when he grew up was become an Olympian and, and win a medal, you know, for his dad. So, you know, it was those type of those type of stories and, and you know, getting to know the players on a, you know, on a deeper level. And I did that on the men's and women's side. I reached out to nearly every player. Oh, wow. Talked to some of the family members. I talked with Raylan D'Elia's family for a long time. She played for Team Italy. Um, I spoke personally with, you know, all the Dutch players and, and just trying to get to know who, who they were and different things like that, that I can share, you know, on the broadcast, because it was more than just, you know, introducing the game to a broader audience, but, you know, we were also introducing some of our, our stars, some of our players to a broader audience and, and they want to know more than, you know, what, what, what was this percentage from two point land, um, last year. You know they want it. They want to know the more personal side, and and that's what kind of ties people to to athletes is those is those personal stories. So uh, that was the, that was a big challenge. Um, I always challenge myself to take it up a notch. 
and um, so I wanted to be I wanted to be sharp. I wanted to be you know good. Have some new lines that I could drop. You know, <laughs> I had a few qualifiers that that uh, people liked. Um, I knew it would be a challenge though because I'm a little more. I have a little more freedom when you're talking about doing a broadcast for YouTube and a three x three stream compared to you know talking about the Peacock, you know, NBC. Um, so I had to, you know, I had to kind of reevaluate how I wanted to approach uh, my delivery, some lines and some things that I would do that would be a little bit more kind of for a family friendly atmosphere of fans who have known me for years. You know, I had to realize that there are, there are a lot of people who don't know who you are, who haven't seen 3X3. And you know, that joke that you might use with your audience that you are used to, you might want to hold off on that joke on NBC. <laughs> so, so that's kind of that's how I tailored it a little bit. Um, Kyle, one last question for you. Um, with Viva 3X3, there's like so many exotic locations. Um, it, it looks like a video game in terms of just the lo locations where these games are taking place. Can you kind of describe the decision process of the where to place these courts? And if there's any like logistical or kind of like any crazy stories in terms of like preparation of getting these games, you know, put on in these unique locations. Yeah. Um, what's, what is that kind of process like? Well, I couldn't tell you about the direct process, but I know that um we have a great scouting team and i do know that they look for unesco world heritage sites um they like we like to have our tournaments in, in the center of the city uh, a lot of foot traffic an iconic site you know we played the europe cup this year in in front of the eiffel tower we played in amsterdam at uh you know near the 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 Rijksmuseum. Uh, from Museum Plain Square is one of the most iconic areas, you know, in Amsterdam. And we're, you know, we're right there. So uh, I do know that that's a part of the planning is making sure that it's somewhere that's really significant. We played in Prague in front of the Prague Castle, um, you know, things like that. It, you know, I commend the team that that puts it together. Um, but I have no idea about the, the inner workings of selecting some of those places. But, you know, I've been so many places around the world that that you know, leave me in awe. I think the venue um, placement is is key to the overall atmosphere. You know, when you're playing off of the water, off of the Red Sea in Saudi Arabia, you know, it just feel it looks different. It feels different. That production is different. Um, so, you know, we I've been fortunate to, to call games in some really, really cool venues, some really, really cool spots, some historic uh, locations. Uh, so, you know, I'm just riding the way. I, whatever they're doing, I hope they continue to pick the best spots around the world because, you know, mm -hmm. I, I get the benefit from it all. Well, Kyle, um, I appreciate you coming on to the show. Really enjoyed the chat. Can you please let our audience know where they can find you on social media and then any other projects you're working on as well? Sure. Uh, well, you can follow my podcast. Give us a like. Uh, we, we put one out every other Tuesday. It's called The Voice on 3X3 Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram, The Voice on 3X3 Podcast. You can follow me on Instagram, uh, 3X3 The Voice. Um, my broadcast partner, uh, at Dave Barr, D-Barr as well. And you can follow me on uh, Twitter, uh, the underscore real Kyle M. Last but not least on Facebook, Kyle, <laughs> The Voice of 3X3 Montgomery. There you go. That's all my social media handles.
Awesome, Kyle. This has been awesome. And uh, hopefully our audience will, you know, this has opened their world to a whole new um, universe of basketball out there for them. Appreciate the time, Kyle. Thanks a lot.